I thank you for your goodness to us. You are faithful, as we say in the Haftor blessing every week. Faithful, faithful are you, God. You are faithful to every word you've ever spoken. Uh, it's your character, and we are grateful for that. And we thank you for your presence here today as we have worshipped. Uh, you stand true to your word. You inhabit the praises of your people. And we thank you for the words you want to speak to our hearts through this message today. Uh, may my words be anointed by your Ruach. And may our ears uh, be anointed to hear and to receive the word into our hearts and that it would produce a hundredfold fruit uh, in this congregation and in our lives in Yeshua's name. Amen. So we are still on the series on Kephabet, which should take us through to the end, uh, through the end of August. And we'll take a break next week with Dan speaking. And we're at the end of the list of qualities right in the middle section uh, that we have been encouraged to furnish and strengthen our faith with these things. And so uh, over the last uh, few weeks, we've talked about strengthening our faith with goodness, with knowledge, self-control, perseverance. And last week, Rabbi Michael spoke on godliness. And so today we're going to look at what is called brotherly affection or how to love your brother. So we want to read the passage once again today, uh, giving us the context for our message, because we're only speaking on one little part. So if you could put that, uh, those words up there. And if you could just read this out loud with me. I'd like us all to read it out loud. Uh, so follow along there on the screen. It would be better because we'll all be reading the same translation. So together. God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing the one who called us to his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us valuable and superlatively great promises so that through them you might come to share in God's nature and escape the corruption which evil desires have brought into the world. For this very reason, try your hardest to furnish your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with perseverance, perseverance with godliness, Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you have these qualities in abundance, they keep you from being barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Indeed, whoever lacks them is blind, so short-sighted that he forgets that his past sins have been washed away. Therefore, brothers, try even harder to make your being called and chosen a certainty, for if you keep doing this, you will never stumble. Thus, you will be generously supplied with everything you need to enter the internal kingdom of our Lord and deliverer, Yeshua, the Messiah. I want to remind us uh, at that one phrase from verse 5 before we look at brotherly affection today. And that is that phrase, try your hardest to furnish your faith with. One writer explained that when we put a, that we often put a lot of effort into what we want to accomplish. But Adonai is encouraging us in this passage to focus on who we are. In other words, to develop our character. So these qualities are about accurately reflecting Messiah to the world around us. And it's our responsibility to put effort into developing these qualities and as we do so, we are being told by Kepha that it will strengthen our faith. And the context of Scripture makes it clear that it's not a mere matter of our human efforts. Okay, and I want us to remind us of that. And I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago. We do these things through the grace of God. God's grace enables us to do this. Because I'll tell you right now, if you decide at the end of this message, okay, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to put on brotherly affection and I'm going to you know, do my best. You're going to fail. But if you receive the grace of God and allow that grace to enable you to put on brotherly affection, you will succeed. We're going to take a few second break to change the batteries in the microphone. Please wait on the podcast.
Okay. Well, of course, we all know I could speak very fast and end the message before the batteries die out, right? But I will refrain from that. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. So, as I was saying, we cannot just try to, uh, you know, muster up our own human strength to put on any of these qualities. Yet there's something that we are called to do. We are called to put in effort, but that effort has to be combined with the grace of God. And looking again at the scripture, even as we're reading through, there's so much richness here. And I hope that you're reading and meditating on this passage. We've been on it for, it's going to be almost two months, but you have everything you need, it says in that first verse, for life and godliness. And that everything we need is the grace and the mercy of God, the Ruach HaKodesh, that will enable us to put on these qualities. And why? Because God wants our faith to be strengthened. So he's not saying, here, do this, Carol, and flounder, because you really can't do it on your own, and he knows I can't. But he's saying, do this, Carol, but understand, do it in my grace and in the strength of my spirit, because I want your faith to be strengthened. And so just to encourage us as we look at brotherly affection today, and in two weeks we'll be looking at love. These two uh, uh, words are obviously related. In fact, they can both be translated into the English word love, and most of us have heard these two Greek words. Uh, the first one is uh, the Greek word Philadelphia, phileo from love, and uh, uh, Adelphos, which is a brother, love of the brother. And the second word is the Greek word agape, which refers to God's love. And uh, so this phileo love is a love that we have uh, for, it means to be friendly and, and love towards a companion. And it's a love that we have and know through a healthy uh, family relationships. And it's very, very distinct, this phileo love, and it is never, ever used for the love of God. Okay, that's important, the distinction uh, for us to understand. And again, we'll talk about agape love in a couple of, of le- weeks. So what is brotherly affect- affection? You know, uh, Elijah, there's a button up there that you can uh, clear the background, which would allow this to be seen a little more clear because that background, nope, that wasn't it. Uh, it's up on the... Because uh, it's supposed to be a white background, which will allow it to be seen a little clearer up here. We're working with a new system, so everyone's trying to learn it. There we go. Thank you. All right. So what is brotherly affection? So let's just discuss this a little bit. In the ancient classical Greek world, it literally referred to the love you had for other members of your biological family. Right? But in the New Covenant, Adonai extends this meaning Uh, to include people who are not a part of our natural family, but who are connected to us because of our faith in Messiah Yeshua. So think about it. The first century Kehillah, we know, was made up of Jews and Gentiles, slave and free men, male and female, and they were all united in the Messiah. So this phileo love was a love of belonging and a friendship based on our likeness. We are like each other in the fact that we have a faith in Messiah, and this likeness draws us together. We have a common ground that we can build our relationship upon. Think about that. Whenever you go uh, to a meeting with other believers, isn't there an instant connection that is there? Why? Because of the likeness that we have, you know, the the, and that likeness being our faith in Messiah, just like when you're in a, a good, healthy family. So many of you know my sisters were out uh, this summer. Immediately when they come, you know, there's a connection, even though I haven't seen them in a couple of years. Why? Because there was a good, strong family relationship, and we are like each other in more ways than one, and, uh, and that connection is there. So this is what God is telling us to have towards uh, one another. We have a common ground that we can build our relationship on, and that common ground is our faith in Messiah Yeshua. So we are brothers and sisters through this faith. And so brotherly re- uh, affection refers to that bond of friendship that we are called to build with each other. So why are relationships like these important to us? I want to tell you why, because no one, turn to your neighbor and say no one, no one can make it alone. 
we need each other. The word friend is not used lightly in scriptures. In our society, it's thrown around, you know, oh, yeah, that's my friend. And, you know, you have all these friends on Facebook, like, right, you know, barely half of them. If you're lucky, they know half of them. But it's not used that way in scripture, and it's often connected to the concept of covenant, right? And one of the strongest friendships we read about in the scriptures is in the uh, Tanakh, is the friendship of David and Jonathan. And that friendship was based on the covenant that they made with each other. And in the book of Devarim, chapter 13, it speaks of friendship in this way. Your friend who is as your own soul. As your own soul. So one of the ancient Greek writers says that friendship is one soul in two bodies. In other words, you're connected. Your souls are connected together. Even though you're two different people, there's that strong connection, bond that is, that is there. And the, the uh, Torah tells us this in the book of Devarim. One writer said about brotherly love, our love is not just a passive disposition of fondness, but it manifests itself in overt acts of kindness towards our brothers and sisters in Messiah. So this brotherly love is something that God is calling us to cultivate. And as I was reading several articles on this topic, one noted how it, in our society, society today, that there is more isolation than ever before, even though we have more means of connection. Think about it, right? I know I can see, you know, uh, my, one of my nieces pregnant. Actually, there's three. Always, when one gets pregnant in the family, it's usually two or three. So there's like three new babies coming in my family, great nephews and nieces this fall. And so, uh, but just the other day, she posted a sonogram. How awesome, right? I'm able to, uh, to be a part of uh, this child, even though I'm, you know, 1,200 miles away. So there's a great means to connect through Facebook, through the social media, and all these things, Instagram, and, 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 and you know, messaging and stuff. Yet with all of these tools at our hands, people really aren't connected. And there's a lot of isolation because these social media Apps can be a false sense of connection. And Abigail did a paper on social media in one of her classes this last semester. And so what happens is, you know, we are, quote, connected, but we're not really in relationship with others. And this writer went on to say that, that often we get into this habit of turning off and on, you know, this concept of brotherly affection and and sometimes it's for the wrong motives because we want to get so many likes, you know, and so many people to follow us, right? So we do these sorts of things not because we are wanting to cultivate relationship with others, but our motive is, is a little askew. And so the Word of God that was written, you know, over 2,000 years ago is just as relevant today in 2018 because you need relationship with other believers. I need relationship with other believers. And so he is encouraging us to cultivate brotherly affection towards one another. You see, we are called to be a mishpacha and to love one another as a family. Yes, families sometimes have issues, including mine. (laughs) Uh, We can get mad at each other, right? And we can disagree and, uh, but when someone says something about a family member, you're going to be the first one to come to their defense. Think about it. You can be as mad as all get out. And as soon as someone says something about that family member that you're mad at, you're right there to defend them. That's the, that bond that comes right through being, being a family. That's the bond that God is talking about here in, uh, Kepha Bet. And we are called to develop that within this community of faith, that we need to love each other in this room with brotherly affection. So I want us to look at Romans 12.10. It uses the same word here that Kepha does, Rav Shaul does. He says, love each other devotedly and with brotherly love. There's that same word there. And set examples for each other and showing respect. So this first word in Romans 10, love each other, 
that's connected to the brotherly love is a Greek word which means to be comfortable or at home with someone, sort of like how you feel with your favorite old sweater or a 13-year-old dog that you're used to snuggling up to or the chair that you've been sitting in for decades or a friend that you feel so easy with that you don't feel uncomfortable or self-conscious that you have to keep the conversation going, that you feel comfortable to sit in silence by this person, right? So that's the type of love that it's talking about here when it says to love each other. It's that coming to being comfortable with one another that you can just be there, you know, and, and enjoy the, the presence of that, uh, of that person. One of our mottos here in Beth Emanuel, we have it printed on our quarterly cal- calendars, that this is a place for kesher, the Hebrew word, which means connection, right? And uh, we put in there that Beth Emanuel is committed to connecting people, first of all, to Adonai through the Messiah, Yeshua. And Gary spoke about this and when he welcomed us this morning. He talked about our purpose. But we also want to connect us to our Jewish roots and our Jewish heritage. And the last thing it says is to connect us to a spiritual family where we can grow, who we can grow with and who we can be encouraged by and who we can support and receive support from. However, I want to say that this does not automatically take place. Just because you come here week after week doesn't mean that you have really become a part of the, of the Mishpacha. Uh, and I want to say, don't check out on this message, okay? Just telling you right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, this message is for you. Because, you know, a lot of these things can seem very basic, and they are, but yet Kepha was writing this to this congregation because they needed to develop these, and we need to develop these more. I can tell you this congregation is always considered a welcoming congregation. We commend you often as we talk to people, and, and you know, we do have a survey that visitors are asked to take. Some do, some don't. But many, many write on that survey how welcome they felt by you as they came into this congregation, and we are grateful for that. But we still can grow in brotherly affection. So don't check out on this. And the other thing is don't check out and get into a pity party because you, uh, woe is me, no one shows me brotherly affection, Rabbi Carol. Okay. Instead, let's all get out of ourselves and say, okay, God, what does, do you want me to do with this word? How can I cultivate this family community with others sitting here in the congregation? That's the heart that we need to have when we hear the word of God in any context or manner is that God has something that he wants uh, to speak to us. Adonai thinks that this is very important that he put this in this passage of scripture, and he's having us speak on it today because he thinks this message can help each and every one of us, help us to strengthen our own personal faith. Again, remember, all of these qualities we've been talking about, Adonai said to furnish our faith, to strengthen our faith with these things. Okay, so it's important for your faith personally, for my faith personally, and it also will help us as a congregational family. So we must put effort into connecting with one another. And I have to say, many people come here week after week and are not really connected to anyone in this place except for their immediate family. I'm going to say this right now out of love. Friends, that's not God's intent. It's just not. It's not God's intent that you come and you, and you leave and there's no connection with other people here. And I'm going to talk about this, so keep your toes out. I don't mean to step on them too hard, but I want to encourage you because this is so important. Now, my parents came to faith, many of you know, when I was six years old. I came to faith around the same time, so I've always been a part of a community of faith. And I can tell you my life has been enriched by being a part of a community. I have never, ever not been in the community of faith. Uh, when I went to Bible college, I found a congregation that I could connect to there uh, and, uh, and was a part of even though I you had chapel every day and there were many at Bible college who didn't find a home congregation. I was not one of those. I made sure I had a home congregation that I, I went to because I understood the importance of the mishpacha, spiritual mishpacha that God has called us to be a part of. And here in this verse, he's encouraging us specifically to cultivate that affection towards one another, which basically means build stronger relationships with each other. Can I hear amen? 
Thank you. So, I can hear some of you saying, okay, Rabbi Campbell, Carol, I don't want anyone in my business, though. Okay? So I'm going to tell you, it's not about someone being in your business. Okay? I don't have any desire to be in your business. I love you, though. And I know that you will be stronger if you get connected to us here than you are by coming and going on your own. No one is looking to get in your business. I was interviewed this week by a student from Stony Brook who's doing a paper for a philosophy class, I believe it was, on uh, Messianic Judaism. And uh, so she was asking us about our practices, you know, do we keep kosher? Do we? And I said, yes, but as I say, in the membership class, we don't have a kosher patrol that goes around and monitors people's homes, right? You know, so it's not that we're not wanting to be in anyone's business. But we know the importance of the community of faith and being connected and strong together. And as the days go by and in the uh, climate that we are living in, socially, politically, and things, I believe you're going to find that the community of faith is a place you're going to find you need to be more drawn and connected to than ever before. I'm just saying it, okay? I'm not a doom and pro, uh, gloom and doom prophet, but the climate of our society, uh, I think, is going to demand our connectedness to one another more so than ever before, that we need to be a support and encouragement. And that's what Kesher means, and we share this again in the membership class, uh, that Kesher connection means that you are someone that I can count on, that we will support one another through thick and thin. And that is what Adonai is encouraging us to do. So how can we develop brotherly affection? Okay, so three things, four things I think I have here. The first is to spend time together. Oh, wow, Rabbi Carol, that's a no-brainer. It really is, but it's a rare commodity, as I said, because in our world today, uh, spending time, really time with people, is not something that we do on a regular basis. Uh, and often it's because we are just too busy to take the time to spend time with other people. You know, 30 years ago, I spent a year on a kibbutz. And last week, uh, there was a reunion of, of sorts uh, of uh, different teams. I was one team that was there, and people had come a couple years before and a couple years afterwards. So they had a reunion, and uh, many uh, people went. Obviously, I didn't go to us. And so, but they were posting pictures of the reunion. And I'm seeing some of these people that I knew. I said, wow, Michael, I said, they look old. I said, that makes me realize that's me too. <laughs> it's 35 years ago, 36 years ago. I said, wow. And, um, but it was good to see. And then they posted pictures of the times that we were uh, there in, in Israel together. So I lived on the kibbutz in the northern Galilee, uh, kibbutz Yiftach. It was on the Lebanese border. Uh, you know, we had our, our, the border fence. I've shared this before. The border fence of the kibbutz was the border fence of of Lebanon. Uh, it had dogs that guarded the, the kibbutz. Uh, every night they would drag the, the sand, you know, so that they could see if someone came in, you know, footprints and stuff like that. So it was right there on the border. But these 17 people that I lived with, there was a strong bond that took place. Why? Because we did everything together. We ate together, we worked together, we played together, we did uh, Bible studies together, we worshiped together, we prayed together, we traveled together, we did everything together, and we supported one another. And in that community that we created there, the 17 of us, there were probably 80 people together, uh, 80 people all together with this organization there that year, but my closest relationships are with those 17 other people who I lived with on that kibbutz. We would meet the others for special, you know, uh, retreats and things. But what was unique is that we made a commitment to one another. And we made a commitment for a year there on to support Israel by being on that kibbutz. But more than supporting Israel by offering our services there, 
you had to make a commitment to the other people on that team. You made a commitment to be there for them and to be supportive and to participate in all those things. So uh, Monday night was prayer meeting. We'd get together and break up into three groups. Another night was worship. Another night was Bible studies. We had three nights where we gathered together for spiritual activities. We all worked in different places on the kibbutz. But you were required to make that commitment. And it's sort of what we do when we say that we're going to be a part of a congregation. We're saying, I'm making this commitment to the family at Beth Emmanuel to be a support, to be an encouragement. And if we actually live up to that commitment, some pretty strong bonds and relationships develop and grow as we do that. And that's what God is encouraging us and wanting us to do. And when I look at the pictures in that group, immediately I feel this fond feeling once again towards these people that I haven't seen most of them in almost 36 years. One friend flew in. A few years ago from Canada, Michael and I and the kids went in, met her and her husband at Cat's Deli, uh, and had a nice uh, pastrami sandwich. But otherwise, I haven't seen these people. And yet there was a, a fondness that came immediately. And unfortunately, I found out this morning that one of these friends passed away yesterday. Young, young man, 54 years old, passed away. And, uh, but there was a bond that was created because we made a commitment for this year I'm going to, yes, serve Israel, and we had to make a commitment of our work ethic to the kibbutz, but the other commitment we made was to one another, to develop a community, and that's what any congregation is about, that we are here to develop a community of faith, of believers that we can count on and that we would be a part to encourage and to strengthen. Look with me at the book of Messianic Jews, Hebrews Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Here we are told, And let us keep paying attention to one another in order to spur each other on to love and good deeds, not neglecting our own congregational meetings as some have made a practice of doing, but rather encouraging each other. And let us do this all the more as you see the day approaching. So why do you get emails and texts from me and others in leadership encouraging you to come to a service or an event we're having? Not because we want to annoy the tar out of you, you know, but because we know the importance of community. We know the importance of connecting together. So I'll send out a text and emails. Rena will send them out for us. Maybe you get a phone call if you don't show up here from one of the leaders, from Adeline or Gary or Randy. They're not doing it to get in your business again. They're doing it because they are connected to you. And they are looking to encourage you and to make sure everything is okay in your life if you're not here on a particular Shabbat. It's not about getting in your business, but it's about, again, building that community, that commitment and that connection to to one another. We're told here, pay attention to each other. So when someone is not here, you should notice. You should notice who's not here today. Pick up a phone and call them. I missed you. Very simple. That's paying attention. You should notice. Okay, some of you are, it's very easy to know if something's bothering you because you wear your emotions on your sleeves, right? Some of us, it's not though. But by paying attention to other people means we take the time to say, Wow, is, is something you know, bothering you? You're taking the time to, you know, to hear and to listen and to, you know, to be a, a support and a strength. Because I can tell you, every single person in this room is going through something right now. It's just part of life. Things happen. And most of us have no clue what's going on in the other person's life. But being connected in community means I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to say, what's happening in your life? So that I can be a support and encouragement to you. That's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us to do. Pay attention to one another and encourage each other and spur each other on. Encourage. So when I don't see you and, and, you know, uh, I'm to encourage you so that you don't fall away from the faith. Encourage you if you're going through a difficult time. Look at... Uh, with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Continue faithfully and with singleness of purpose to meet in the temple courts 
daily and breaking bread in their several homes. They shared their food in joy and simplicity of heart. I've said this on many occasions, but it's worth repeating in this message. One of the greatest tools the enemy uses uh, against us as children of God is to isolate us. Isolation. What happens when he isolates us? A few things. One, our thoughts can get out of of control. And when our thoughts get out of control, they're usually negative, uh, and they usually lead to discouragement, depression, and bondage. When you're isolated, this is what happens. It means you have no one to be accountable to with your actions and your attitudes. It makes us more vulnerable to the attacks of hell. We've uh, talked in years past about the uh, roaring lion who seeks his prey. And if you know the pattern of the lion, as they're tracking herds of other animals, they look for that one that's isolated, that's fallen away from the herd, so to speak. So when you're isolated, you're more of a prey to the enemy to come and to attack. It can lead to being self-centered. It's all about me. It's not. Not that your needs are not important, but there's so much more than just me and my needs. It's a community, and it's the kingdom of God. And it destroys us personally, and it also destroys the community of faith. Listen to me. What happens to you affects me. What happens to you affects me. We need to take seriously our commitment to this body not just here at Beth Emanuel, you're listening to the podcast. In the modern Kehilah, the modern body of Messiah, people do not take as serious as they should their commitment to the local Kehilah, to the, the group that you have called to be a part of. As I said about that group that I was there in Israel with, it was very serious. We went through a month orientation, and just because you came there didn't mean you were going to be placed on the team. And you were, had to be very serious about the commitment to the two things. One, to have excellent work ethic, you know, to be a witness to the Israelis. The second is you had to make a commitment to the other people on that team in all those areas that I talked about. And you basically had this sort of like sign on the dotted line saying, I will make this commitment. And there was guidelines that we had to follow and be a part of. That's what community is about, knowing that we are committed to one another to grow and to be strengthened. So when something happened to someone else on the team, it impacted me. When something happens in your life, it impacts me. When something happens in my life, it impacts you. But often we think, oh, that doesn't, what's a big deal? It doesn't mean anything to you, Rabbi Carol. No, it does. And if we understand that spiritual principle more, we're going to take more seriously this command to cultivate brotherly affection. In other words, build a community of faith. Build relationships with one another. How is my faith strengthened through these relationships, Rabbi Carol? Because it gives you a group of people to hold you accountable. It gives me a group of people who can encourage me when I'm struggling gives me a group of people who can pray for me in my time of need. And not just for me as the rabbi, although it's great. You know, Rena sent that text out a few weeks ago. We didn't see Joan last week when we came in this morning. She's like, it's so glad to see you. We spent, you know, nine hours in the emergency room with Rabbi Michael's eyes, and Rena sent out the text message, you know, and we sent out emails because we didn't want to be texting you at 2 in the morning. But not just for us. We got prayer requests for Pat this week. We're glad that Pat is here today, right, as we prayed for her this week. Amen. As as soon as we got that, we're praying for Randy's daughter, Samara, and he's telling me about answers to our prayer this week. You see, because there's a connection that we're support to one another. So when we get these needs, we can pray for one another and encourage one another. If you don't have others in the congregation that you can pick up the phone and call in any of these areas to be accountable, to encourage you, to pray for you, then, friend, you need to develop some relationships here. As I said, spending time together takes time. And what are the reasons we don't take the time to spend with others in the Kehillah and to develop our relationship? 
One reason, as I said, is we're simply too busy. I'm going to say this, and, and maybe I'm more reflective. I told my husband since I turned 60 years old, I, you know, I think mentally there's things happening this year, and not in a bad way mentally, but I'm just reflective of things that I don't think I ever was before. But relationships are the best investment you will ever, ever make, ever make in life. So if that means laundry has to go an extra day to invest in someone, ladies, guess what? And if your husband has no clean underwear, tell him go buy a new pack. I mean, Walmart's right up the street for most of us. Think about it, right? I have to get the, you know. But maybe that person needs you today, right? And, you know, so, so to put off that so that you can invest into that relationship, how important is that? But we get involved in performance, making sure our tasks are complete while ignoring the people that Adonai has placed in our lives to enhance us and to whom we can deposit measures of his love. See, you are supposed to deposit into me measures of God's love. And I, in turn, am to deposit the same into you. But when we are so focused on getting things done instead of on one another, those, it doesn't happen. And God is calling us to build this community, and to cultivate this brotherly affection. The other reason we don't see the value in getting to know others in the congregation is because we think a hello and how's the weather every Saturday is good enough. Well, the weather was pretty bad this morning. So those who if you didn't hit it just right, then you got soaked as you were coming into the congregation. We were talking about this at the board meeting because even last Saturday it was raining and Gary said he sat in his car for 45 minutes with the cake last week waiting for the right opportunity and finally he just had to, to come in and got wet. He's trying to protect the cake. But our relationships should be more than just a high, how's the weather? We're quiet today. It's okay. Because the reality is, they're not always. And so God's encouraging us today, cultivate more than a high house, the weather relationship with the other people. So I'm going to give you permission to stand up. Everyone's going to stand. And I want you to turn around and look at everybody. Okay? So in the back, look to the back. Well, the back, look to the front. The front, look to the back. Except you can see Elijah in the back and our ushers in the back, so that's good to turn there. See all these people here? These are the people God wants you to develop brotherly affection with. You can have a seat. But often we just have this attitude, I don't need this, Rabbi Carol. I'm a strong believer. And another reason is because we like our four and no more. Now, my family is a family of four. But I can tell you, my, my children love the community of faith. They love being together with other, other people of God. And, you know, but sometimes you have this attitude, well, I have my family. And that's good, your, your biological family. I have my biological family, but they're 1,200 miles away. And if I didn't seek to invest in relationships here in this community, my life would be a little lacking right now, I'd have to tell you. Because there's only so much. I mean, it's great when my sisters come in and we connect right away and, yeah, we text and stuff like that. But having flesh and blood in front of you, it's a big difference, guys. And so you're for no more. Just hear the rabbi once again in love. Ain't God's plan. It is not. You're not to be isolated as an individual, and you're not to be isolated as a family. We are called to show brotherly affection, to build relationships, community with one another. So I'm going to give you ways to do this. Aren't you glad? Very, very practical. One, attend service every week and attend the fellowship times that we provide. Right now we do monthly bagel and eggs. 
I know people cringe when they see me walking at them in the foyer on Bagelow Neg Day as they're headed towards the front door because they know I'm going to say, Oh, Myrna, aren't you going to come upstairs? Myrna always comes upstairs. I know they want to avoid me, and I'm not doing it to make you feel bad, but I know how much you need to be upstairs for yourself and how much I need you to be up there for myself and everyone else in this room. First Saturday of the month, almost without exception, and if there's exception, we'll let you know, we have bagels and coffee. Don't make plans on that first Saturday. Come and, and, and sit with other people until we have to kick you out and flip the lights. That's one way. We're having the congregational picnic. What day is the congregational picnic, anyone? August 26th, South Haven Park, area number 10, $7 to get in. You bring all the sides, we'll bring the burgers and the buns. You bring the sides and your own drink. A great opportunity. Mark that on your calendar right now. From 10 to 5, we'll be there. Come, bring your family. Be a part of it. It's just a great opportunity to develop relationships. Ask someone out for a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I'll go out with you. (laughs) I'll drink a glass of water. In the wintertime, you can ask me out for a cup of hot chocolate. I do drink hot chocolate, okay? But you get it. The point is, spend time with other people, right? I've said to some of the ladies, we've talked about this in our, our women's group, some, we have some single women, and we have some women whose spouses are not yet believers and don't you know, uh, attend the congregation. They talk about coming on Wednesday night where they have to get something to eat, but they don't want to eat alone. And, and I said to them, to me, it's such a logical solution. I don't think anyone's taken me up on it yet. But I'm like, why don't you eat dinner together and come to Torah study? What a great way to meet a need and to develop a relationship with others. Right? On Saturday, we've said this so many times, we're going to have prayer, you know, half an hour or so after, after service today. And we said, bring your lunch, eat upstairs. My family normally brings lunch today. We forgot lunch, so <laughs> no lunch for us today. But bring your lunch and have a little fellowship and stay for prayer. Come to the Torah study. The Torah study, we were so excited after the Torah study this past Wednesday. My husband and I were just talking about the great interaction. It's more intimate than, than the Saturday service. You get to talk. Who doesn't like to talk, right? But we get to study the word together and interact and share and, and ask questions and things. And all of those things are ways to develop relationship. As I said, on that kibbutz that I was on, we were committed not to just having fun together, which we did, but... We were committed to praying together. We prayed once a week, at least once a week together. It was a scheduled meeting. We had a Torah, a Bible study every week, and we had a worship service every week. They were all at different times, so three times a week. We had to make sure we were at those meetings, and that developed a bond, a friendship by doing that. So these spiritual activities are also ways to strengthen and build community and to build relationship with one another. And God wants us to, uh, to, he wants to encourage us uh, to do this. You can also invite someone to come over for Shabbat dinner. Friday nights is hard for us, so don't invite me, please. Just so I don't have to say no. I don't mean it. It's just very hard, you know, because the next day and things like that, but or a barbecue after, uh, later Saturday after service or on Sunday. But I love it. I love seeing the children on Saturday after service running between one parent to the other, trying to figure out whose house they get to go to. That was one of the greatest things about the congregation I grew up in. You know, and especially you have five siblings like me, you always wanted to go to someone else's house to get a new change of, uh, you know, uh, someone to hang out with. But it was always the greatest thing. So, oh, wow, you know, can I go over to so-and-so's house? I love it because these kids understand the importance of community already. And that's why God says that we need to become like little children. They get the importance of developing relationships and friendships. So parents, when they come to you today and say, oh, I want to go to so-and-so's house, you know, be gracious to them. It may not work with the schedule, but understand they got a good heart. And they, they understand something that, that maybe you don't quite yet, you know, get in the same way. So God wants us. 
to spend time with each other, to develop relationship. And I have to tell you this. I knew this was going to be the longest point, and I'll go quickly through the other three. You have to be intentional about this. It ain't going to just happen. It just won't. You have to be intentional. And maybe your schedules are so busy, maybe you're going to have to schedule something three months down the road, whatever, you know, especially with the high holidays coming up. But I'm telling you, be intentional about this. So let's look at the last three things. And I'm sorry this has gone a little longer than I anticipated, but I just knew that that first point was a place to hang out. Because listen to me, you need me. And you need one another. And another thing, this is all freebie here. Don't always look to invite me and my family and the leadership, although that's great and we, we don't mind being invited you know, to places. We're not real picky eaters either, so that's a good thing. But look to invite other people from the congregation. Often people want to invite the leadership, and the leadership appreciates that, but there are other people who you could invite. Look around this room and think of people who you don't really know and say, you know what, this year I'm going to get to know that person. I'm going to invite that person out for a cup of coffee. There are people who are hurting right now, and they just need someone just to sit with them, not to offer them counsel, not to tell them, you know, this is what you need to do. Just someone to say, come have a cup of coffee with me. Right now, I believe God's going to put on your heart someone that you can say that to in this congregation. Let's get a cup of coffee this week. Say yes and go. Last three things, and I'm sorry I'm going to go a little quickly through these because of the time. Seek to honor others. This goes back to our, our verse in Romans 12. Love each other devotedly and with brotherly love and set examples for each other in showing respect or honor. One translation says, outdo one another in showing honor. One writer uh, in an article on this verse says, honoring someone is treating them with your deeds and your words as though they are worthy of your service. We need to seek to honor others instead of seeking to be honored ourselves. This is the antithesis of the norm of our society today, where everyone clamors for attention and respect. I've said this before. We are the selfie generation. Everyone's taking pictures of their self, posting on their self. Now, I post plenty of pictures my, myself, so I'm, I'm part of this generation. I get it. But sometimes, you know, we are so focused on that. I don't care that you have a hangnail and that you posted it on Facebook for all to see. Although I must admit, a year or so ago, I did stub my toe, and it was pretty nasty. I did take a picture and post it, I have to say. I was pretty gruesome looking. But we need to seek others to honor others. In this generation, it's not all about me, even though we think it is. God says, prefer others. Philippians, right? Look out for each other's interest and not just your own. And don't show favoritism, as I said. Don't only honor certain groups of people. It's often easy to honor people who we think are more important or people who we think we can benefit from. So if I honor Chris, I know, you know, that I'm going to get the benefit out of this because of the... You see what I'm saying? So we can get that in our mind. That's not good. Think about Yaakov. He says, don't show favoritism to people who come in. There are people in this congregation who you don't really know and you don't make effort to know because they may not be like you and you may think, you know, I I just don't jive with that person. I want to tell you that person has so much that they can give to you and you have so much that you could give to them and there would be a connection like never before. But because we have this, you know, we're all like this, this bent that, oh, that's not the person that I really want to develop a relationship. I'm telling you develop relationship with those people. Seek to honor others in the congregation. I want to say, first, honoring doesn't mean we don't see the flaws in others, but we look beyond those. Love covers the multitude of, of sins. And I've said this to people as they said in my office before, and I was thinking about this in, in terms of honoring others. Look at the person to your right and to your left. Okay? That person is either a son or daughter of God. Period. Now, last time I checked, God does a pretty good job of taking care of his kids. 
And we're going to have to answer to him how we treat one another. So how do you think God wants you to think, treat that brother or sister sitting to either side of you or in front of you? I think he wants you to honor them. So I would encourage you, let us honor them. And another way to honor is, and when we, because sometimes we look at people and say they have such big issues and we have a problem honoring them. But when you think of them as a daughter, a son of the king, it makes it more easier. And the other thing that I think is good, and I talked about this in the beginning, that we have grace that enables us to do this. But we also need to extend grace and mercy to other people. Yeshua says, freely you have received, freely give. Don't be stingy with grace. Don't be stingy with mercy. Be gracious and merciful to others in this congregation. Sure, people are going to get you annoyed. I'm going to tell you now, developing relationships is not easy. And you're going to get annoyed. and You're not going to like the way some people do things. But grace and mercy, give it freely. The next one, quickly through the la- this last two, build other people up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage each other and build each other up just as you are doing. This is something that needs to be a daily practice, one writer said. The whole concept behind these verbs here, daily doing this, building each people up, each person up. We build each person up by our actions and by our words. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no harmful language come from your mouth, only good words that are helpful in meeting the need, words that will benefit those who hear them. Evan talked about gossip in his Devar Torah today. Gossip is from the pit of hell. Gossip, you know, destroys people. It doesn't build people up. No unwholesome words, but words that build other people up. This is what God is encouraging us to do. So cultivate brotherly affection happens as we seek to honor others and as we seek to build them up. We know that there is power of life and death in our tongues and our words should be seasoned again with grace and and mercy. And every word you speak out of your mouth, the intent should be to Make that person a better person to build them up, not to tear them down. So we need to be slow to speak. Often we speak irrationally and quickly, and the words we speak tear other people down instead of building them up. And it destroys the relationship that we're trying to build Another way we build others up is to be a support system to them. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. And this way you will be fulfilling the Torah's true meaning, which the Messiah upholds. So bear the burdens. The reality is everyone has burdens. This is what this verse is telling us. Everyone has burdens. Secondly, Adonai did not intend for you to bear those burdens alone. Thirdly, he expects us to work together, that we are mutually dependent on one another, and that when we bear each other's burdens, that we are fulfilling the law of Messiah. So he's telling us to come alongside and to literally take your shoulder and get your shoulder under the load that's on the shoulder of your, of your neighbor and help to bear that and to carry it. And then I close with this one. Receive from one another. Brotherly affection can never grow if we resist one another. Not only do we need to be willing to extend this affection to others, but we need to be willing to receive encouragement from others. Not only should we seek to build others, but we should seek to receive from others trying to build us up. How do we do this? By being open. goes back to other points in my message. You can't do this alone. You have to be open to the fact that God has placed other people in this congregation. And he wants you to receive from them. I was listening to a message the other morning in my devotional time. And this uh, spiritual leader was talking about how sometimes we get a little snobby about how we receive from people. And he says, I was guilty of this. He says, you know, there are certain people that you're ready to receive from. Oh, that's, you know, a man or a woman of God that have a prophetic voice. He says, but to some other people who are a little flaky, you're like, I don't want to hear anything from them. But one of those flaky people came to me. And... uh 
and the minute that person began to speak, he said, I knew that that was the voice of God. But in my natural mind and state, I did not want to receive from that person because they were are flaky and, you know, a little strange. He says, I won't use the word weird, but they are weird. He says, but that person spoke to me and said things that had happened the week before that no one could know. And I knew it was the voice of God. So I want to encourage you. Don't be prideful. Be open. There are other people that God can use to speak into your life in this community that perhaps, as I've said several times, you do not yet have a relationship with. Rav Shaul is a great example of a believer who was able to receive from others. We know that he poured out his life for the Kehilah, but he also received help from the different congregations in his journeys. And just reading from Philippians, he wrote these words to the congregation there in Philippians 4, 15 through 16. And you Philippians yourself know that in the early days of my work spreading the good news, when I left Macedonia, not a single congregation shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving only you. Indeed, in Thessalonica, where I needed it, you sent me aid twice. They furnished Rav Shaul with material needs. It was not, and it's not easy being a shaliach, being a person in ministry. He had needs and uh, that he could not always provide for personally, and he did not let his pride keep him from receiving from others. So we have to have a heart to receive if we're going to build relationships and develop brotherly affection, we have to be open to the other people in this congregation. And let us stand to our feet, and I want to close with this scripture, as I encourage you that Adonai has placed the other believers in this congregation to be a source of strength and encouragement to you, and that each one of us needs to open our hearts to the others that are here to embrace the gift that these people are to us from Adonai. And in doing so, so we will be developing this brotherly affection which will strengthen our faith and our community as well. Yeshua said this to his Talmudim, which applies as we close this message today, Yochanan 14. I'm giving you a new command that you keep on loving each other. In the same way that I have loved you, you are also to keep on loving each other. Everyone will know that you are my Talmudim by the fact that you have love for each other. In two weeks, we'll probably talk more about this verse because the word here is agape, but it applies in this too that we need to develop brotherly affection for one another. And as we do, people will know that we're his Talmudim. Not because of the great works we do, not because we can heal the sick, and, but because we have a community connected, encouraging, building one another, brotherly affection. Let's pray. Hashem, we thank you for your word today. Uh, we thank you that your word is alive and active and that it always, always, always accomplishes your purposes as we cooperate with it. So I pray for each one of us today that we would take this word and we would live it out in this week. I pray, Lord, that new uh, relationships would spring up in the congregation, that older relationships would go stronger. Father, that each of us would seek to strengthen the community that you called us to be part of here at Beth Emanuel, for those listening to this message by podcast, whatever community you have placed them in, that they would be a strength to that community as they seek to build relationships. Uh, And Father, that we would stand together, Lord, and that our faith would be strengthened. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. I want to bless you with the ironic benediction. And uh, I'm going to invite the ministry team down. If you have any uh, prayer needs, then we're here to pray for you. Around 2 o'clock, we'll come back together for uh, our hour of prayer. Encourage you. Our prayer meetings have been a little less attended this summer. I get that everyone has summer activities, but if you can be a part of the prayer meeting, uh, that would be awesome. So, Yivarecha ka Adonai v'yishmerecha. May Adonai bless you and keep you. Yair Adonai panavaleka v'kuneka. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Yisa Adonai panavaleka v'yasim l'ka shalom. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of Adonai. May joy uh, be yours. Uh, May your relationships with one another be strengthened. Meshim Yeshua, Meshikane, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. 
If my ministry team can come up, if you have children, please come and get prayer first so you can go get the children so our workers can be released as well. Thank you.